Pitch Talks special feature. So in part one of our discussion, um, we discussed about obviously certain certain numbers to do with the lockdown in regards to um, grassroots, the cessation of grassroots football. And some of the numbers are extremely concerning, especially when it comes to children and their mental health and well-being um, in regards to the lockdown. And towards the end, towards the end of part one, you talked about the future and where where I want to where I want to go is I mean with childhood obesity rates in this country in this country being what they are um and also the mental health of children being so kind of disproportionately affected especially within the BAME community I don't really like the acronym personally um how how much how much how much of how much do you think the impact has been kind of worsened by the fact that these teams were allowed to start the season and then the season was just abruptly stopped after what a month and a half month and a half two months because for me I'm looking at it from obviously the adult the adult um, side of it with the grassroots side it's a it's a case of with Ibis Eagles we've we've been working on um, getting a fifth team together and because we've had good numbers um, coming to training, we submitted it to the league. And ironically, about a week about a week or so before this lockdown was announced, um, the league ratified it and said, "Yeah, you guys can have a fifteen. But now that this lockdown's come, my personal concern is, and I'm referee secretary at the club. My concern is that there may, I mean, we we could potentially have a massive step backwards in terms of momentum. Because we were getting forward momentum after the first lockdown, it was a case of a lot of people came out of it and were like, "Oh God, I just want to play, I just want to play." People were chomping at the bit to play, but then now that it's been taken away so soon into the season, I think we've only played like four games, four or five games, and it's like it being taken away so soon. I think it had, I think could have a massively negative impact. I mean, some people will be like, oh, okay, cool. All right, we'll wait out the month or if it lasts three months, potentially, because of the furlough scheme being extended um, into March when the lockdown is only supposed to be to January, which looks sinister already. But as mentioned earlier, I think with grassroots football, grassroots football has been struggling generally anyway. And I think these interruptions in momentum plus the... Premier League showing their hand in terms of their greed with Project Big Picture and rumours of this European Super League and all that. that. I mean, for me, there's a massive fear that not that grassroots football is resilient. So I don't think it will completely disappear. I don't think this will be the death knell, but I think this will be one of the most serious challenges, if not the most serious challenge that grassroots football has ever faced. And we're already seeing it with youngsters in youth football. I said with the numbers read out from from you um, from the um, first part um, with um, with the numbers from Youth Sport Trust. So we're already seeing those challenges manifesting at youth level. 
And at adult level, I think there will be challenges as well. Different challenges, albeit, but I think there will be challenges for clubs staying afloat. Because a lot of clubs, like say Ibis Eagles, we rely on membership and people paying match fees and that. Um, and we've got pitch higher costs. So all of those things were making it tough enough to run a club. Now, with the cessation for a month, and it could be even more, there's a major concern. I, I, I personally see it as there's a major concern there. Um, in terms of, in terms of uh, and if you're asking about the impact... Which uh, which I am, and also do you think and do, and also childhood obesity as well, like the physical impact as well as the mental impact. I mean, what, what what do you think going forward after these lockdowns? What do you think the impact is going to be going forward? Do you think youth football is going to be decimated, never to come back, or is it only, is it going to be limited to only schools in say six, seven, eight months time? I mean, do you think it's going to stay like that, or is it going to open back up? No, it will, it will open back up. It will it will be a case of where, like as I mentioned in the in the first in in part one, I think with with um, with with uh, grassroots football academies need to um, with with elite football academies need to run. That's the problem. So in order to shut down shut down elite football. Unless you say, well, unless you're playing schools, um, school football every Saturday morning, you won't get noticed by the big teams like Chelsea, like Arsenal, like like um, Liverpool, Liverpool, champions. Yeah, <laughs> I had to get that one. Man City, Manchester United, you can be noticed by any of them, but unless you're actually playing schools football, then grassroots football will continue. It has to happen just simply because. If they, if teams like Arsenal and and all those want to make money off of those those players, <laughs> fun enough at the age of nine, ten, eleven years old, then they have to find them somewhere. Unless they're going to say, "Well, we need to make sure that schools football runs better than grassroots football." Well, you better find a way for this to work. Mm-hmm. And if they're not willing to put their money in their in their pocket, I can't see the FA doing it. So do, you, so do you think grassroots football and youth football, do you think they would have to massively adapt because they're, because they're not going to get the help potentially from the FA who have obviously cut their budgets and the Premier League who, as we've said for years, are just selfish? The, league, the, thing, the thing about playing, playing in Premier League football is that you, become an, you basically become an elite team with ideas of what you want to do um, in the next few years. So in order for a team like Leeds to now become a sustainable um, team, they've got to look at their finances over the next the next few years. That's that's that goes without saying. But if you're talking about the so-called top six, they don't really have to do that because they've got enough sponsors just to actually cover the costs. Mm-hmm. So then, if they're going to have an academy like Spurs, like Arsenal, both of them play in North London. However. Let's look at the um, the women's section. Mm-hmm. Arsenal as a region have that um, have the north of uh, north of London covered. Hence the reason why there isn't a, um, a an academy or regional talent centre for for Tottenham Hotspur women. Mm-hmm. But they're going to have to find those players somewhere. Mm-hmm. So unless unless um, 
Arsenal Academy or um, Arsenal Boys Academy or Arsenal Women's Academy now look at it and go, well, we need to bring in uh, bring in better players. Well, are you going to keep signing players from over uh, from overseas because that's the way that that's the direction that you're going to have to go in in order to find players, and you won't be able to find, sign players under the age of eighteen. That's the the necessary the necessary situation here because Manchester City and Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid all got um, caught with that. Chelsea got caught with that. A lot of teams have been caught with signing players at a young age without actually doing anything with them. That was the problem. Yeah, and giving inducements to the parents and that. I mean, Chelsea, funnily enough, they had that transfer ban recently, but even before that, the Guile Kakuta thing a few years ago. So they've got a history of doing that. And there's a number of other clubs doing it. Man City have been been stung before. But I I think as well where... The, Premier, the, the the bigger clubs, the elite clubs, Premier League clubs um, and Championship, and, uh, etc. Yeah, they can find ways around it, but also they've got the finances to got the to be to be able. Yeah, they've got the yeah they've got the sponsors to be able to survive, but they, they've got the revenue coming in is is where I'm going um, to to survive the game being paused for say two three months. Mm-hmm. But in grassroots football, there's not that financial base there for it. So for me, I think it's unfair, especially be, especially especially because it's been said yeah. that at grassroots level, I mean, we 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 as Ibis Eagles, we were taking all the necessary precautions. We were spraying and or wiping down wiping down footballs. We were doing social we were doing social distancing um, in our bar. Our bar area was doing social distancing. Chiswick Cricket Club they were doing they were doing that because they they have to. Um, we also were not offering changing facilities, post-match facilities at clubs. A lot of it was like vacuum pack. Um, Merton FC, for instance, was um, vacuum pack sandwiches and, and that. So instead of the usual cooking that they do, um, like say bangers and beans, it would be just pre-packed sandwiches and that kind of thing. And for me, it's one of them where it's like I just look at it. I just look at it as. Grassroots football is kind of really, really struggle. And remember, we're volunteers. I mean, I said as referee secretary, I'm, I'm, I'm a volunteer. Everyone else is. I mean, we were trying our best to work within those type restrictions. But I can only imagine how much more difficult it is with children because children below, say, the age of, say, eight or nine or ten, they're not going to fully understand the gravity of the situation. There's, I think there's, I think that's a massive issue as well, and a massive difference between adult grassroots football and then youth football as well. I mean, how much different is it at youth level? Because um, we, because obviously we can explain to adults, and okay, they get it. They may not agree with it. They may not want to do it, but they get it. But with kids, it's a lot more difficult to explain. Right, this is a deadly pandemic because you don't, you don't want to scare the crap out of them. You want them to still enjoy their football, but. These restrictions and limitations have changed everything, haven't they? The, pro- the problem with um, with the restrictions and the limitations is that yeah, you have to explain what the what the pandemic is, and I think parents have found a way just to explain it without actually scare um, putting the fear into into their kids. The issue is, and and this is what I've I found um, as a as a growing concern is there are a lot more teams being built mm-hmm. off the back of not just the the 
the pandemic, but just in general because somebody didn't like somebody else, mm. and that usually becomes the that usually becomes the problem. So when I look at um, teams in certain areas, for where I live at the moment, I can already count within a three mile radius five teams. Mm. That to me doesn't make it any sense whatsoever so do you think those teams that instead of five teams popping up it, it would be better if it was say two teams and they concentrated and put their resources together yes because what is what essentially you're doing is saying well we're having to do this in our club somebody else has to come to um, come and help us or they've got to come and check if we've we've done our, our job um, correctly rather than as a universal thing you're all working together to achieve the same the same goal. Not oh well, I don't like this person, so I'm going to just take my take my uh, my son or my daughter somewhere else, and then find that it's not it's not the what you thought, or it is what you thought, but then months down the line you can't get yourself out of it. It's now a case of well, here's the here's the ironic twist. You've gone to a club that's literally three miles down the road, so you haven't left. You've just shifted. Mm-hmm. You haven't changed. You've adapted. Mm-hmm. What you've done is just move from one place. You've literally taken a step on one on one turf and gone to another. So it's literally like walking across the park. That is it. Mm-hmm. That's like doing the same thing at Everton and Liverpool. Stanley Park is literally a mile between the two. Mm-hmm. So then, what have you done? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, being up there, it's, it's a lot more. It's, it's basically a big. No, no. I mean, I've, 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 I've been up myself, but it's, but the, but the illustration is there. It's like you can be, you can, you can be at Anfield and see Goodison, yeah. and vice versa. Yeah, it's yeah. like you can literally, see, you can, yeah, you can eyeball yeah, it. I've worked and I mean, we, and I mean, we've got a couple of clubs like that ourselves. We've got, old, we've got um, civil service literally over across the fence we got old meads in the amateur football combination just across the way then we got polytechnic the other way as well so it's like you got you got clubs in those in those clusters there and that's and that's, and that's the issue though because you've got so many clubs who are all trying to fight to find out whether their club is going to be better than another or whether their 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 system or or their way of doing things is better than somebody else's. The problem is, is well, somebody said, well, I don't want to be here, so they've gone and set something else up, literally, a step away from the last one. Mm. So then you haven't changed anything. You haven't changed the all you've all you've tried to do is change the um, the, the group dynamic, which means that all you've taken away is taken away is the kit, the fees. And the players, yes, you need a play, you need the players and the, and the officials to to grow the club. But as far as, as as far as I'm looking at it, all you have to do is just change it. Now, if you're now becoming a new, a completely new club, well, you've got to start all of that process all over again. Which means that if you started at the bottom, and to quote um, to quote Drake, um, starting from the bottom, now we're here. You're pretty much saying, well, I've got to do that within one season with the coronavirus shutting us down. Yeah, as you say, with the potential of that. Yeah, with the coronavirus possibly shutting us down. So how have you, what what do you need to do? Well, we don't know, but that's the problem here. Speaking of that, though, do you think it's a little unfair that youth youth indoor and grassroots sides have had to completely stop, but lower league teams lower than the National League who are in the FA Cup for instance do you think it's unfair that they've gotten to carry on 
obviously if they're in the FA Cup because they can adhere to elite conditions whilst they're in the FA Cup. Do you think it's unfair that they've gotten to carry on? Because I understand why the National League has carried on because they had, what, 22 million quid worth of government, worth of government grant to just start their season. So it would have been, economically, it would have been, it would have been a farce. And that was only granted, what, a few weeks ago. So it would have been an absolute farce to postpone, at the very least, the National League. So I can understand that. But do you think it's a bit unfair that everybody else has basically had to stop, even though it's been said that the transmission levels are actually very low, in extremely low, in outdoor sports? At the moment... The, uh, the country is uh, England are, are looking at a shortage of um, funding within grassroots football, and that's been that's been a, a growing trend since I think twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen, possibly even longer. Yeah, I'd, I'd say longer, considering some of, we've done run some of the numbers on pitch talk shows. Yeah, there's been a lot of teams going out of business in um, over over the years just simply because of how how they run. So. Do I think it's fair? My my answer to that is, if it was fair, it would have made more sense to shut all football down. Mm-hmm. Just shut all football down so that nobody can have this conversation. Yeah. That way you can go, okay, well, the Premier League's not running, so what's the problem? Mm-hmm. Championship's not running, what's the problem? Um, league One, League Two, uh, National League, South, uh, South and North, not running, so what's the problem? That was where the problem um, lies, and that's where everybody's kind of gone, well, why is it so much for this and so much for that? Mm-hmm. If you just said that as a universal rule, no football is allowed to play for the next um, four, four weeks, mm-hmm. and everybody has to um, isolate, like everybody did, from what I noticed in, um, in the Premier League, they found ways to socially distance while staying at home um, and coach. They found a way to coach. They found a way to have their conversations. Again, Zoom calls, WhatsApp calls, um, group chats. Everybody found ways just to have those conversations. And the impact was on the side, on, from what I noticed, that in my opinion, the other side of it was psychologically, there's a, there's a four, four corner um, module for the long-term the player development model when, when you hear it from a coach, that's, that's what you're looking at. So you're looking at the technical stuff, you're looking at the, this, this, the physical stuff, you're looking at the social stuff, and you're looking at the psychological. You can flip those on, on its head to say psychological is more important than social, um, technical, and, and physical. They all intertwine with each other. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I want to get from that is psychologically, people actually found a way to um, adapt very quickly. Um, well, okay. I want. I want to. I want to stick on that because you mentioned. You mentioned about ad- adaptation and also the Zoom calls, WhatsApp calls, and that kind of thing. As a youth, as a youth coach, mm-hmm. like we were, we were talking before. We were talking before the cameras were turning, and you had had a Zoom call literally this morning. So it's a case of how has that transition been for you as as a coach? How 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 different are sessions? via Zoom as opposed to being out there kicking a ball and how how has that how has that changed and also do you think that that is yeah that is the way forward that is the do you think that that's the future of coaching that's exactly where I was going to go uh, uh, I knew that was coming um, 
Because that's how we're going to round out. Because that's, that, that's um, the key. So, to answer the last question, I think Zoom calls will happen just simply because if you are allowed to record a session or record a game, that's pretty much what you're doing with a Zoom call. Mm-hmm. You're doing, all you're doing is just a live recording of something that you want to see in action. That's the, that's the difference. And with the technology that everybody's talking about nowadays where you just need to get um, permission, well, a Zoom call pretty much is permission from the parent to say we are allowed to do this as a, as a, um, with ourselves um, to say, well, let's do this session in, in, in live action. So is it making things a bit easier for you, especially with seeking permission? Because obviously with children, you have to have written permission from parents usually. So The funny thing is, it's, it's like doing a one-to-one um, with a player. But if you were to do it in a group, it's still the same thing. It's one-to-ones. Um, with the Zoom calls, it, it's, it's helped me to, to change the way that I do things. And like as I said, I'm a development coach. I prefer to, to work with the person. Um, specifically rather than the, the whole team um, and the reason why is because I now can become a bit more understanding of the player so that I can give them something that they really will challenge themselves to do in the future mm-hmm. especially if I'm only giving them a bit of information now that they'll take on in years time uh, years years or, or months times um, that's the first thing um, let me go back to the, the the original question. The first question. What was what was the first question? Um, basic, basically, how how has it affected you as a coach? Again, you 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 spoke of adapt. You spoke of adaptation um, and that. So yeah. how, how is it how has it affected you as a coach? because you're saying because you say yeah. Zoom calls are the way forward. So how so how much of it? to the point where I look at um, I look at my coaching and I think well, back in the days. And I like to say that because... Because um, it makes you feel old. <laughs> younger than you, my man. I'm younger than you, my man. <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. No, no, no. No, 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 no. no I hear that. Um, but no. Does he remember Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? I'm not sure. Um, I still remember the movie, unfortunately. So <laughs> The movie? I'm talking about the first three seasons. But, um, but, but no, but, 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 but how, how, much, how much has it affected you and what... Uh, it, it's... Yeah, how, how much has it affected you as a as a youth coach? As a as a youth coach and as as a person who probably has been told and been encouraged, ironically by FA coaches, um, to use video um, evidence, I still think it's a bit shaky. But I first of all say to everybody, "Are you happy with doing this?" Before I actually go, you know what we're doing a Zoom call. In I think ten years time. People are just going to go, we're doing a Zoom call, end of. That's it. That's how we're going to do our sessions when we're not at training. Yeah. And it's going to be like, well, you didn't give me that option. At the moment, people will be sceptical because it's literally a child with, with an adult on, on, a, on a video. And, you, and because of the whole situation surrounding that, at the moment, people are going, well, I don't like this. Of course. But... Over time, I, th- I think because of the way things will be moving forward, people will look at doing more sessions with players. And if they know that they've only got, yes, let's say that they've only got one session a week, they'll look at doing a second session on a different day on a Zoom call. Mm-hmm. And it'll just be a case of, okay, well, if I do my session on a Monday, 
come um, Thursday or month, Friday, or, uh, come Thursday or Friday or even Wednesday, we're doing a Zoom call just so that we can keep up to date with our um, our development uh, sessions. Anything beyond that, you've got to do it yourself, and that's that's to me that that will be the the, the way forward. But again, that will be the conversation that people will need to have first to go, well, I'm happy for you to do this. You have to build that trust, number one. Number two, you have to kind of go, well, as a coach, this is what I'm doing it for. And if people still think, you know what, I don't want to do it, then you can go, you know what, fair enough. Somebody else somebody else will, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and people will rec- recognise that they need to... You're, you're giving the power back to, to the player to say, well, if you don't, actually train or what's going to happen on Saturday when it comes to the game and you've you've only done literally an hour's training session and then come Saturday you feel like you feel uh, you may feel like you're not part of the team because everybody else has done the zoom call you haven't but then at the same time you're going well mummy didn't tell me or daddy didn't tell me well I can't do anything about that yeah. I've encouraged it no it's not your issue anyway. no yeah. I've just encouraged it and I've left that today's zoom call was was pretty good it was pretty good and uh, all of the players were, were brilliant um, for what they did um, and I'm, I'm proud of the parents for, for allowing this so thank you parents um, but it's it's just one of those things where I think, I think it's, a, it's a future thing because of what we are now promoting in this country as it needs to be video evidence so again I'm going to go back to TikTok. I'm going to go back to um, Snapchat. I'm going to go to um, to Instagram. I'm going to go back to all the other things. I'll even I'll even go as to say YouTube. You find skills, and I normally tell the um, the, the, um, the players to look at the look at the skills on YouTube rather than just sitting on there and, and looking for um, looking for videos to dance to. Um, if you can find a skill, transfer it onto your feet and then bring it to bring it to training on Saturday. Or, or or Monday and Wednesday, then please do so. Please do so. I don't. I'd I'd I prefer to see you come with some with some creativity, and I'll go. Well done. But that's the difference between somebody coming to me and going. Well, I sat on the I sat on the TV and I didn't know what I was watching. Then I played PlayStation, and then I, I came to training. And to me, that would mean that I don't have a player that wants to play. They're just being forced to. Because <laughs> you can't do anything with that. That's just a case of well, you've tried to make them feel as good as as possible within football, but you can only do so much. It's like taking a. Uh, it's like the old saying of leading the horse to water and allowing that allowing the, the horse to drink. I thought that saying was you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. God, <laughs> he's adapting. See, he's see, he's adapting already. Christ, he's adapting. He's adapting gross. But you know what? Yeah, this has been this has been an this has been an enlightening chat. This has been an enlightening chat. We're gonna have we're gonna have to come back to this. We're gonna have to come back to this stuff. But three parts, I, three parts. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but um, but I have been straight shooting LJ. Eh? JBK. And you know what? Thank you for joining us for this Pitch Talk special feature, this two-part special feature segment on grassroots football and the lockdown in England. How's it going to affect football? Um, 
facebook.com forward slash pitch talk become a fan become a friend become a member of the group join the football and revolution we're trying to create or recreate in this way because we're bigger and better than ever we got nathan arsenal and jbk on the team now as well as straight shooting lj the g-man and jazzy fizzle um twitter.com forward slash pitch talk or at pitch talk on twitter tweet with us follow us see what we are up to we're on instagram as well at pitch talk on instagram instagram.com forward slash pitch talk youtube.com forward slash pitch talk for all of the videos including coaching with jbk which is jamie's vlog um the straight shooting view and five minutes with the g the g man's vlog as well we got more content coming all the time so keep an eye out for those like subscribe hey get those notifications as well so you know when our stuff is dropping we got audio we got audio coming too so it is all good in the hood. Once again, I've been straight shooting LJA, and on behalf of myself, the G-Man, Jesse Fizzle, Nathan Arsenal, and JBK, we will see you guys next time. Thank you for joining us on this Pitch Talk special feature. Pitch Talk special feature.